Recovery Elevator, episode 183. The sneaking of, of, of drinks and, you know, hiding stuff and not being honest and, and every day seemed to get like a little worse or every week seemed to get a little worse. And I knew I was worse than I had been before I had quit for five years. Welcome to the Recovery Elevator Podcast. My name is Paul Churchill. Thank you so much for joining us. On today's podcast, we've got Jason. He's been sober since January 1st, 2018. Now, the average New Year's resolution lasts just 17 days, and he's made it 178 days. Nice job, Jason. Oh, yeah. He's from Connecticut. He's 46 years old. He's got a wife and two kids. It's a great interview. Jason also talks about how he had five years of sobriety before this current run. Stay tuned. It's a good one. And before we get any further, let's hear from my favorite resource in recovery, Cafe RE. The most important thing I've learned while doing the Recovery Elevator podcast is we can't do this alone. Believe me, I tried for over two years and it was painful. So here's the good news. With Cafe RE, you get access to a confidential and unsearchable Facebook group 24 hours a day. There, you can get instant accountability and genuine connection with others who also wish to lead a life without alcohol. In Cafe RE, you'll find that being sober is a tremendous opportunity and not a sacrifice. For $14 a month, you can join the conversation, be paired with an accountability partner, attend educational online webinars, attend online meetups, attend in-person Cafe RE meetups, and participate in book club. Go to recoveryelevator.com and use the promo code OPPORTUNITY to waive the setup fee. Again, use the promo code OPPORTUNITY to waive the setup fee. I hope to see you there. Guys, today is August 20th. On September 1st, we're launching the forum. There will be a price increase. We're going from $14 a month to $19 a month, so be sure to join. Lock in your rate before then. Okay, let's get started. Sometimes I sit here in my podcasting studio and I think of new ways to deliver this message. What's the message? Well, in short, alcohol is shit. The big one is that sobriety is a tremendous opportunity. It is not a sacrifice. But at the end of the day, there's some people out there that can say it in a much more eloquent way that I can, and they've lasted a long time. So we're going to cover some recovery quotes that mean a lot to me. And I'm going to give my two cents on each quote. So let's get started. Here's the first one. What lies behind us and what lies before us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. And this is by Ralph Waldo Emerson. The only way we can access the power that lies within us is if we are in the current moment right now. And the moment right now is actually all we have. The past is gone. The future is not here. The only thing we actually tangibly have is the right now. So why not live in the right now? Wondering how to do this? Well, you may already be living with a Zen master if you have a pet. Yeah, your cat, your dog, whatever pet you have, they're always in the moment. That's the whole thing where only a few species on this planet, specifically human beings, get ulcers. The majority of living things on this planet, they're always in the moment. Human beings, we need to do our best to get there as well. Next quote. This one's by Robert Collier. Success is the sum of small efforts repeated day in and day out. Addressing our enhanced dopamine receptors is not a single line item, rather hundreds of small changes that add up to a successful recovery. And here's a side note. When I first got sober, the hundreds of small changes that I made were mostly external and only a handful were internal. 
as I'm approaching four years of sobriety, that number has completely flip-flopped. Next quote, it's difficult to believe in yourself because the idea of self is an artificial construction. You are, in fact, part of the glorious oneness of the universe. Everything beautiful in the world is within you. This is by Russell Brand. So here's some food for thought. If this quote holds true, which I believe it does, there is no self. So at the end of the day, there is no being proud of yourself, mad at yourself, or hate yourself, or love yourself, because the you, the ego, is an artificial concept that you made up. Hmm, think about that for a moment. Next up, I got a quote from Henry Ford. When everything seems to be going against you, remember that the airplane takes off against the wind, not with it. Yeah, this guy built a car. Think about that for a second. He revolutionized the way this planet operates. For about five years now, I've had a print-off of Henry Ford just sitting in the weeds, leaning against the fence, arms rested on his knees, looking out into the sky. I get inspiration when I see that photo, because I imagine he's repeating that quote in his head. We all have those days where it's hard to stay sober, that all of our friends are drinking, that your coworker Robbie is a total butt dart, and your cat just brought in a dead rabbit. I get it. These are the days where everything feels like it's going against you. But it's these days that allow us to feel such tremendous joy and happiness on the other side. Next quote, if we are facing in the right direction, all we have to do is keep on walking. This one's by Zen Proverb. Actually, Zen Proverb. <laughs> Just kidding. If you're listening to this podcast, you're facing the right direction. I'm careful with the promises that I throw out, but I can promise you that. If you're listening to this podcast right now, your heart has been guiding you in the right direction. Just Keep on walking. Next quote. It's not easy to find happiness in ourselves, and it is not possible to find it elsewhere. This is by Agnes Replier. Do not stop until you're one with that light inside. Gravity will pull at our skin, and our health will waver with time, but the light inside stays the same age for eternity, and that's where the joy is located. Next quote by Roger Babson. If things go wrong, don't go with them. The wheels don't have to come off every time. You can say fuck it to things in life, but you don't have to drink. Drop the mic, cell phone, a lawnmower, a laptop, dog, whatever, and just walk away. It's not worth drinking over it. It may seem like the wheels need to come off, and in similar situations in the past, the wheels have flown off. But trust me, they don't have to come off. You can break this cycle and just walk away. Here's the next quote. Recovery is not for people who need it, but for people who want it. And this is anonymous. You are one of the lucky ones listening to the podcast. Of roughly 24 million Americans with enhanced dopamine receptors, alcohol use disorders, only about 10% get the help they need. Take a drive through a sketchy part of a metropolitan city and you can see this through your windshield. This is sad. If you're listening to the podcast, you're facing in the right direction and you're one of the lucky ones. This next one is from an unsourced internet meme, but it's good. That's why I'm going to include it. When the past calls, let it go to voicemail. Believe me, it has nothing new to say. Let the past die hard. Rarely do we need the past, and when we do, we'll only reference it for a quick second to make an informed decision. Back to the first quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson. The past is like a small candle you can get at the dollar store. And the power of the present is like the Yellowstone wildfire in 1988 that burned nearly 800,000 acres. The past, it doesn't matter. It doesn't define you. In fact, it can't define you because the past doesn't exist anymore. The only way the past can define you is if you let it. 
Next quote I have is by Albert Hubbard. This is, the greatest mistake you can make in life is to continually be afraid you will make one. We recently had a luncheon in Denver, Colorado, and a gal named Michelle asked me if I was scared about starting a recovery podcast with only 90 days of sobriety. Yes, it was terrifying, perhaps even risky. It was scary, but there's no way I'd be approaching four years of sobriety in three weeks if I hadn't. Next quote, if you can quit for a day, you can quit for a lifetime. This one is from Benjamin Sons. So we are going to take this one day at a time, but there's some truth to this. You can do this for today, for tomorrow, for next week, for next Thanksgiving, Christmas Day, next New Year's, 4th of July, for the rest of your life. Because a better life awaits with that alcohol. Again, let me circle the wagons. We are only worried about today. But deep down inside you, there is a power that you can quit for the rest of your life. Next quote by Oscar Wilde. Be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. I love this. You got to embrace your weird. I know a lot of us who are listening to this podcast have tried to fit a mold that is not ourselves. We've tried to blend in to fly under the radar. Has it worked? It didn't work for me. Embrace who you are because everyone else is taken. Different is better than better. This next one's by Rosa Parks. I have learned over the years that when one's mind is made up, this diminishes fear. No matter what, I won't be drinking today. Next quote. When was the last time you woke up and wished you had just one more drink the night before? I have never regretted not drinking. Say this to yourself and you'll get through anything. This is by Meredith Bell. Here's a line I've never said. Man, I wish I had a couple more tall boys last night so that comment to my significant other could have cut just a little bit deeper. Hell no. Never did I ever not regret drinking more the previous night. This next one is an anonymous quote. The pain you feel today is a strength you feel tomorrow. So we felt some pain. Okay, that's probably the understatement of the century and the pain that we have felt could probably fill up a Boeing factory warehouse. But here's the good news. We are poised to slingshot on the other side of that pain and we are set up to feel a tremendous amount of joy and happiness. Trust me. This next one is by Robert Frost. The best way out is always through. Yep, you got to go through it to get to it. This next one is from Babe Ruth. Every strike brings me closer to the next home run. Every relapse, every whoopsie daisy, every slip up presents me with lessons to learn in life and brings me one step closer to long-term sobriety. This next one is by Jay Petit Sen. Happiness is where we find it, but rarely where we seek it. I want to follow this quote up with one of my own quotes. Your heart is leading you in the right direction. Quiet the mind and follow. Next up, I've got a quote by Bernard Williams. Man never made any material as resilient as the human spirit. Take a look outside. Take a look at the mountains. Look at the ocean. Oh, take a look up. Look at the moon. Look at the solar system, the sun. Man, woman, the human brain didn't create that. This isn't a chicken in the egg scenario. It's that simple. This next quote is by Alice Miller. What is addiction really? It is a sign, a signal, a symptom of distress. It is a language that tells us about a plight that must be understood. Ah, Alice, drinking is but a symptom. Well, Miss Miller, I agree. This was exactly how my addiction played out. And I feel like I'm walking in the footsteps of giants with this quote here. Here's my own. Alcohol is shit. That's three words. Am I really the first person to ever say that? Probably not. But that's how I feel. Okay, enough out of me. Let's hear from Jason. Jason, how are you? 
I'm doing well. How are you, Paul? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking, Jason. And let's get right into this. How long have you been sober? Uh, I think I'm looking at 178 days to, as of today. And before we hit record, you said January 1st, 2018. Those are some of my favorite sobriety dates. It's a new day for a new year. The average New Year's resolution lasts 14 to 17 days. You kicked that one in the butt. Nice job. But before we get any further, Jason, give listeners a little background about yourself, maybe where you're from, what you do for a living. Do you have a family? And most importantly, what do you like to do for fun? Yeah, I'm from Connecticut. I'm a social worker. I'm 46 years old. I have a wife and two kids. My kids are 13 and 9, uh, so they keep me pretty busy. And for fun, I like to watch a lot of soccer. I like to do some stuff in the outdoors, some kayaking, a little light fishing, hiking when I get a chance. And lately, I've been taking a lot of long walks. So um, that's kind of it. There you go. And when this interview comes out, uh, the World Cup champion will be crowned. But uh, right now, I think it's we're advancing into the, the stage of 16. Have you been watching some World Cup soccer lately? Yeah, absolutely. I got it on right now with the volume off watching Japan and Poland. So Nice. I love <laughs> World Cup soccer. It just it tells me that the world is headed in the right direction. Yeah, it's good. No matter what's going on in the world, they can uh, keep it calm for about a month or so and enjoy some soccer. <laughs> yeah. Besides those Lulu Velas or whatever those loud loud horns are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That year, that year they did that was horrible. Yeah, it was terrible. I think it was 2010. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, who do you think is going to win the World Cup? My my pick is Belgium. I mean, they actually Ooh. play England today, so that, that this afternoon that should be a great game. Nice. I'm going. I'm Team Brazil right now. And Team Peru. Obviously, we're going to Peru in October. I don't think they're going to advance, though, to the 16. Do you know anything about that team? I saw their first game. They lost. I don't think they're the yeah, advancing. I don't think they're an easy win for, for a team. They, they usually give people a fight, but I, I'm with you. I don't, I don't think they're going to get too much further. Gotcha. Well, cool. Let's, uh, let's shift gears here, talk about sobriety and all that stuff. Um, yeah, let's back it up a little bit, Jason. Give listeners a little background about your drinking, maybe when you first started, you know, how it went, the, the progression, and, and try to give us dates, times, and then lead us up into the point where you decided to quit drinking. Yeah, so I, I probably looking back on it, I would have to go um, saying I had my first drinks when I was uh, 14, 15, and you know that would be sneaking beers here and there. And growing up from that point on, you know, be, through high school and whatever, became you know kind of a, a professional binge drinker. I hung around with a lot of older kids. I have an uncle who's a few years older than me, so I hung around with him and his friends. So he was always kind of getting into things first and would introduce me to it, and it went from there. So high school years, like I said, were you know doing the regular thing during the week, and then once it came Thursday, Friday, figuring out how we were going to get our alcohol and where we were going to drink it, and just let it go over the weekend like that. After high school, I enlisted in the Navy and did my fair share of binge drinking there. Also, you know, at times overseas, just the stereotypical drunken sailor stuff, sure, which led into a lot of you know probably my first thoughts on. You know, is this is this good for me? You know, is there going to be a time when I should, you know, try to cut back on this, or should I stop? You know, give I'm, me were, a, give me a time frame on on those first thoughts. I, I it's interesting of when those first thoughts come until the date where you're sober. So how old are you then? So I was in the Navy from 91, 92, 93, 94. So I'm probably around 23, 24, around that age. And, you know, there were just a few situations where. You know, probably my first real blackouts or did things I was not really proud of, you know, had to kind of, you know, walk with your head down for a few days wondering who you might have offended, 
the night before or things that you might have said that you shouldn't have said or acted a way you shouldn't have acted. So, yeah, around that time was when I first started gotcha. having my, you know, my first thoughts of should, you know, is this going to be a problem at some point? Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. So, yeah, take us from you get out of the Navy and then what happened? So then, uh, you know, I I, I, I want to say I, my my drinking from it, from that point was not so much binge drinking but kind of, you know, settled into um, almost a regular pattern where you – don't you know? You know where you where you have drinks at the end of a workday, and you know eventually those drinks become more drinks, and then on the weekends, you know you don't have to work, so you're drinking a lot more, and that would probably go that way into my 30s, and I think it when I was you know in my mid 30s, it was when that progression really started to creep up on me, and you know kind of just take hold of my evenings and weekends and stuff like that. Yeah, talk to us more about the progression. I, I, I like how you described it. Really started to creep, <laughs> just like it yeah, really and it, and, started to move slow. <laughs> and it, and it wasn't until I started, you know, like listening to your podcast and reading some stuff that it it really occurred to me that, you know, I, I started paying attention to my own timeline and and could kind of see where, you know, I I wasn't really binge drink, binge drinking anymore. It became like, you know, I come home from work, have a beer or two maybe a couple glasses of wine with dinner, another glass or two as you're cleaning things up, kids go to bed, another one, whatever, you know, then you're, you know, walking around sneaking drinks and this and that. So, and, and, and you get to a point where, you know, you, you're waking up in the morning, you're just completely hung over on a Thursday morning and mm -hmm. you know, you know, what the hell happened last night? And that's just kind of the progression of it. Sure. And, and listeners, Jason sent me an email about a month ago, or maybe three weeks ago saying, you know, a little bit about a story, and then you mentioned he had he had a five year stint without alcohol, and and that that perked my ears, and I said, hey, let's let's get you on the podcast. I want to hear more about that. So yeah, talk to us about that. When did that happen, and what you know, what was the the impetus to start the five years of sobriety? So I would say there was a couple things that that put me in that direction. I've always been very tried to be very health conscious, even though you know I was doing a bit of drinking. Um, always work out, always run. And I go for yearly checkups and physicals. I have heart disease in my family. Father died relatively young. Um, his father died young. So I always try to stay on top of stuff like that. Sure. And uh, I think when I was like 39, I went for my yearly physical, which was around October. And it wasn't great. My weight was okay, but my cholesterol was high. My blood pressure was a little higher than it should be. So it just wasn't, it wasn't great. So because of that and the concern with my family history, my physician sent me to a cardiologist. He talked to me about medication, talked to me more about my family history. And I was, you know, I wasn't big on, at 38, 39, going on medication like that. I just, it's not something I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew I wasn't being as healthy as I could because um, I knew the drinking was there. And I didn't tell them that. Um, and I knew if I could maybe get that under control or stop, things might be different. So... I said, how about if I come back in like six months and if things are different, then we hold off on the medication. If they're not different, then we'll talk about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, the cardiologist agreed to that. So I went through the holidays kind of just doing my same routine. I was drinking, you know, just going to the parties, whatever. And then on January 1st, I stopped. Of, of what year? That was, I believe, 2010. Okay. Oh, yeah. 2010. Yeah. That's when I started my, my first footsteps forward in this journey. Good stuff. Or it might've been 2011 around there. So I, 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 you know, cleaned up, continued with the exercise, you know, I wasn't drinking at all. 
actually was probably the it was the first time that I had taken such a long break and you know I, I hear people talk about the pink cloud and all that and I absolutely felt it all I mean I was sleeping great working out was different everything was different and you know I was kind of hooked it was it was just great so I I went back to the cardiologist they did more blood work and you know everything things changed a lot so my my blood pressure was much better my cholesterol was much better and I was I thought to myself if if this is what giving up alcohol does for me then you know I'm all in right now so what did you tell the cardiologist he's like Jason what's your secret <laughs> alcohol well, is shit you know, it was, yeah right well it's funny because my HDL cholesterol was actually a little lower than it had been the previous time. It was still really good, but it was a little lower. And I and he kind of questioned me, on, and he said, were you drinking a lot of red wine back then? And I said, oh, yeah, I was. Hmm. And <laughs> I said, and I haven't been doing that right now. I said, but I'll take a few points lower for how I feel now and how everything else is. So I didn't totally come clean with him about, you know, where I was with alcohol, but I, I hinted that, you know, I had stopped and, and – uh, you know, changed a few things. Wow, good, good job. And so you rode the pink cloud, and 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 you decided it stuck for five years. You said, and I'd like to drill a little deeper in this this whole timeline in in your journey and talk to us. You know, what was it like? Because were you working a program in those five years, and eventually you drank? We we know that. And then you drank for a little bit, and then you got back on it. 178 days today. But what happened during those five years? You know, did you work a program, and what happened to lead you to drink again? I, I did not work a program. I did not. I was not very honest about why I had stopped. I knew in my heart why I had stopped, but I kind of used the, you know, the the not so great physical and the um, cardiologist as my excuse. You know, I, I was kind of hung up on the stigma and things like that. So I, I was not working a program at all. I got to give you props too. Too you five years. You I mean that's. I've done podcast episodes like that's the definition of, of a dry drunk and it's painful at the end because I went two and a half years. You went double the amount of my Yeah, time. and I, I did not understand that term until I started listening to the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I do, I, I, I can identify times where I did feel like that, but I can also just identify times where I just kind of went with it and it felt good and I just left it at that. But I think not understanding what, what alcohol is for me is kind of what led me to drink again. And if I had had a better understanding or I had worked a program or been in tune to podcasts or, you know, stuff to read, then I don't think I would have drank again. Because um, I, I, I think this time I'm understanding more what goes on with me and, and how alcohol affects me and people in general. So, Yeah, and I actually want to get to that. But lead us back in that five years. What was it at the end that tipped you over the edge? At the end of the five years, I said, okay, maybe I don't have a problem. Was it something like that? What happened? Absolutely. And I tell you, those five years, I, I did everything. I, I went to parties. I turned 40. I went to funerals. I did everything and did not drink and didn't care good for job. the most part. Yeah, and, and it was good. And, it, and people's comments and questions and whatever, none of it bothered me. I could care less. But I got to that five-year mark, and I, I, again, went to the doctor, and my physical was great, probably the best one I had had in a long time. And I just started thinking, you know, maybe I can be a normal drinker. Maybe I can you know, have a beer every now and again or um, enjoy a glass of wine when we go out to dinner or whatever. And, you know, that uh, I know you talk about your alter, Gary, who (laughs) (laughs) whispers in your ear. (laughs) Yeah, uh, mine, who, whatever his name, I I think he was like hanging in my garage or something waiting for me to make that decision. And he came Uh, back and and it was just on from there. So, 
that's kind of how it happened. It was just on from there. Describe yeah, that, describe it, that part when you first drank and you know the the, the months that followed. Yeah, so uh, you know the first the uh, you know I remember I like bought a six pack on a Friday night. Um, I'm sure out there craft beer is as big as it is here, and it's you know something I've been curious about. So you know I bought a six pack of something, had a couple that night, and for about a month or so, or maybe a little more. I was able to keep it under control. It wasn't until about July where, like, the old habits that I had had that really made me question um, my drinking, you know, started coming back in. And so, yeah, and then it was, you know, just kind of fall back into the same pattern. And that lasted for about a year until, like, last summer when it, it seemed to ramp up even more. And, you know, you kind of have those mornings where you look back and you're saying, you know, you know what the heck happened last night? And, you know how much did I drink? And you don't remember conversations and things like that. So that's where I was. Yeah. And then what made you decide to quit drinking again on January 1st, 2018? Well, I, I, last summer was kind of, was kind of rough. You know, I was, I was, you know, drinking a lot most days and, and way more than I should on the weekends, you know, went away on vacation for a couple of weeks and, you know, I always managed, I never, had a real embarrassing moment or got in trouble with the law or anything like that. But, you know, it was just the feeling of guilt that you're not there, you know, and just the, the health issue where you're waking up in the middle of the night and not sleeping well. And, you know, you can't work out cause you're, you know, hungover or whatever. And I, and that took me into the fall and I, I realized that, you know, I was much better in those five years that I didn't drink and I, and I should try to get back there. So I made a few attempts in the fall I went from like probably sometime in September to October, you know, a few weeks in that time period. And then actually from like October to, I made it, you know, went through the holidays and I drank on New Year's Eve for some reason. And then <laughs> for some morning, reason, because <laughs> <laughs> everybody is what you do, yeah. I guess. We're told yeah. this what we're supposed to do. Right. And, and, you know, it's just, you know, you're with, with certain people and, and you don't want to, you know, kind of let them down. And I had those feelings and, wasn't being honest with people and, and, you know, I just did what I did. And then I woke up New Year's day and I actually tried to go for a run extremely hungover when it was about 25 degrees outside. And that was just <laughs> and, and I got day one of sobriety. Here we come. <laughs> yeah. and, and it was awful. And I, 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 and I, and it was at like six in the morning. Oh, I, just, I, bless your I had heart. this feeling that I, I just have to get this out of me. I got to get it out of me. And I came home and, uh, I said to my wife, I'm done. I said, I'm done with that. I said, I'm, I'm not going back to that right now. I, you know, I just can't do it. And, and that's, you know, taking me to now. So Jason, I want to see if you experienced this. So you had five years and I had two and a half and we both went back out and we drank and I reached, uh, I reached a scary point because when I went back out and drank, I just kept telling myself, oh, I had 2.5 years before. Like I, I can do this again. Uh, you know, well then I try again and then it relapse and I try again and then I relapse. And I just kept telling myself, like, I'm good. Like, I had this for two and a half years. No, not to worry, Paul. And then I got to the point where I was like, holy shit, I don't think I got this. And, I mean, I eventually had, I had a failed suicide attempt in 2014. It got perilous. It was it was terrifying where I, you know, I was like, I don't think I was ever going to get it again. Did you, you know, unfortunately, I mean, fast forward, we're on the podcast now. I did get it again, thank God. And I found out that it's a lot easier to stay sober than to get sober again. Did you reach a moment like that, or was it just like, eh, I'm done with it again? No, I, I kind of did. I mean, it, it doesn't sound nearly as bad as, as, you know, like what you had on 
unfortunately failed suicide attempts and all that. I could see myself getting that bad again because the, you know, the, the sneaking of, of, of drinks and, you know, hiding stuff and not being honest and, and every day seemed to get like a little worse or every week seemed to get a little worse. And I knew I was worse than I had been before I had quit for five years. So that's why I, I, I was, I was, you know, kind of very concerned with that. Um, but I also did have those feelings where, yeah, I did this for five years. So if it gets to the point, I can do it again. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I got it. And I also had these weird thoughts of like, well, shit, I, I was, you know, sober for five years. I kind of deserve this. My, you know, it's not going to have that much of an effect on me. And eventually, like last fall, it was just, you know, I, I understood that none of that meant anything. I, I just had to get back to where I was. And, and you also, we both understand that that's our addiction talking as well. Yeah, yeah, and and that's why, you know, listening to the podcast and everything have helped me so much because, like you say, that 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 voice whispers in your ear, and you know, I've I've been reading Annie Grace's book too, and that's been a huge help, and you know that it, that that's in your ear and it, and it gets you, um, and you and at times you do listen to it, and it's it's great to be aware of that now, so. Yeah, it's a compelling voice, and it's in our own voice, and it's based off the constructs that we've built in our mind for years in the past, and a lot of times we buy it hook, line, and sinker, and it, I bet it feels good to, to be able to see it for what it is now, right? Absolutely, and, and I, you know, I don't want to be pointing fingers and blame, but it's, it's our society too, and you know, it's everybody everywhere you go telling you, this is what you should be drinking, this is what you should be doing, and it, that stuff gets to you. It, it did to me. It, it it got to me after a while and you kind of feel strange if you're not, you know, and not partaking in the shit that everybody's drinking, whatever they're calling it these days. And, um, you know, it, it gets in your head. I don't think that is anything wrong with pointing the finger out that because there's something wrong with how our society peddles drugs and I'm going to use alcohol as a drug. In fact, there's a whole like legalized drug campaign. We've already legalized the two most dangerous drugs in the world. That's tobacco and alcohol done End of story. Everything else is like chump change and there's the data to back that up. So yeah, I'm right there with you. You know, the people said that AA is a cult, whatnot. Like the real cult is drinking the shit, the poison. Like this, this is, this is not the cult life right here. This is the good life. Yeah. And I, I totally agree with you. And I'm kind of fascinated. Like when you, you have some time of sobriety under your belt and you, you look at things and you look at what people are doing and um, the marketing. And like I said, craft beer is just huge here. It, it's, there's, a, there's a new brewery that pops up, it seems like, every week. And I don't care what you're calling it. And, if you're, and because you're selling it for $10 a pint you know, and you made it in the back room, it's supposed to be so much better for it. It's the same crap. It's just the same crap. <laughs> Absolutely. So, <laughs> and, you, and you start to see it and it just makes you nuts. You're like, you know. You know, I don't care if it's that or, you know, or Natty Light. It's just the same, same shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was just laughing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Jason, so Bo- Bozeman has <laughs> Sorry like, to put it so bluntly. <laughs> no, you're, you're good. Bozeman has 42,000 people roughly. And in a couple of weeks, our 13th brewery is opening up. And I drive past it on the road with the construction and, I don't say this in like a condescending or patronizing fashion, but sometimes I shake my head. And I'm just like, oh, fucking idiots. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it, it, it's nuts. I mean, this, this state I live in is, you know, it's a postage stamp. It's tiny. And, and every, I get the, you know, the Connecticut paper, newspaper. I'm still one of those guys who reads the newspaper. And <laughs> the, the Thursday, Friday section, you know, that, that kind of go over what's happening on the weekend in Connecticut. It's just full of 
tastings and wa- Connecticut's huge with wineries now, um, wine tastings, breweries, and all. It's it's just like man, it's crazy. It's just crazy. Yeah, so I think society is on the right track. It's it's all trying to connect with community and connect with other human beings. It's it's just we're kind of doing a false sense of connection with the drug called alcohol. It's it's just hard to make those connections and make them last because they are false connections. Yeah, Jason, how, how how did you do it this time? And you mentioned the previous five years. Um, you didn't, weren't really working a program. What's changed this time around? You know, I, the, the the first couple weeks, months, whatever, were, were tough. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Much tougher than I remember it the last time. What, what do you mean by I, that? Go a little deeper in that. Uh, I remember the last time I, when I did it, I was very just steadfast in my thinking. Like, I'm, you know, I got to get to that time when I have my physical. I'm not going to do anything. I didn't have that hanging over my head this time. It was just... You know, it was me just doing it without that upcoming appointment with a doctor or something. So it, it, it seemed harder. You know, it was tough driving home from work and not stopping at a store and grabbing something. You know, it was tough coming home and not grabbing something out of the refrigerator. You know, it. it but I, like you said, I white knuckled it and got through it. I've gotten a lot of help, I think, from, you know, just looking at different things on Instagram and online. And, you know, like I said, I found your podcast and, and different books to read. So that's that's kind of helped me to get through some of those rougher moments. Yeah, and Jason, I'm I'm also thinking about myself with this question. So in your five years, in my 2.5 years, I don't know if you've heard me say in this podcast yet, I've said it several times, um, that alcohol kills us physically, mentally, and spiritually. Um, and the kills is actually in the order of spiritually, mentally, and the last physically, and then we heal, it's opposite. We heal physically, then we heal mentally, then we heal spiritually. Now, when I quit drinking for two and a half years, and I think the same with you, physically, we did great. You had the stats to back it up with the yearly physical. I felt the best I ever felt. And I think I was addressing the mental component slightly um, just by eliminating alcohol. Um, I was, I was, you know, it's, it's, I didn't really do the work though. I was myself white knuckling it. I was a dry drunk for two and a half years. Um, but I feel like things are so much different this time around. And how about for you in this, this last 178 days, do you feel like you're addressing all three instead of just the physical component? I, I think gradually I am because I think I'm more aware of it this time. Uh, last time I think I was just really so hyper-focused on the physical part of it. The, the, the other parts, you know, I, 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 they just weren't in my mind and I'm kind of doing different things now to, to help me with those other things. Um, I, I, of course, still work out a lot, but I've gotten into um, doing yoga. You know, I'm slowly trying to build a meditation practice, which I think will help me spiritually. So I, I, I think, you know, I'm in a better place now than I was before. Jason, I like how you use the word gradually. And I think the theme of my year three and a half on for the last four or five months has been my spiritual healing. And the first year for me, it was a physical and years two and three were mental, and now I'm ready because I don't think I was ready to do this to do the spiritual healing in my first year of sobriety or first two years of sobriety. So I like how you said gradual. This is not a race. It's it's all going to happen in time as long as we don't drink, and as long as we keep that voice in our head in check and work a program. Um, yeah, and, and I, I think I you, I get want. hung up on time too. Uh, sorry to interrupt you. I, You're good. But the whole time thing I I would always get hung up on, and I I'm trying not to do that now. Just what do you, do you mean like it. logging sobriety time or just the time? What do you mean? Yeah, you know, like the sobriety time and then also thinking too far down the road. Just like, you know, what's this going to look like in a year? Am I going to, you know, am I going to have that moment again where I think I can handle it and go back to it? And, um, you know, just tr- I'm just trying not to think of that stuff. So, and, and I think 
you know, and, and doing yoga and meditation and focusing on my breathing and taking things slowly um, has kind of helped me to just focus on what I got right now. Breathing is so powerful, mostly because it all happens in the now. And I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I just lined up a, a workshop in Cafe Ari for, uh, for in September from the founders of Clarity Breathwork. It's in, it's in, uh, they're based out of Seattle, but just the breath is so powerful. We hear just, oh, breathe in, breathe out, take it. It's so powerful because it pulls us into the now. And, you know, the ego does not live in the now. The ego lives in the past and the future. And our brains are not able to cope with the future. We can't future trip and be like, oh, okay, like it's, it's going to be fine. Like the future can be terrifying because it's not here yet. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And what's something that you've learned about yourself in these last 178 days? Now, take that back. The last five years, that's a very important time logged in all your sobriety time. What's something that you've learned about yourself? I think that I've learned that honesty really works and helps. And I've also learned that... I really don't have anything to be ashamed of. What happens when people drink, it can happen to anybody and everybody. It just happens to some people quicker than others. So, Totally agree. And would you, would you say honesty with yourself or honesty with others? Both. Okay. With others, as far as this goes, it's, it's a slow process with me. You know, I'm, I'm slowly letting people know who need to know, you know where I'm at and, and what the issue is. Again, there's that word, slowly gradually yeah just go at yeah, your own pace I, yep and that's that's what i'm doing i love it i love it and have you experienced any cravings the last 178 days and what triggers you and what did you do to get through it yeah uh, at the beginning definitely not so much lately for some reason but uh in the first first couple months for sure i don't know i just try, I try to ride it out and and you know like i've heard so many people on your show say that you know they're they're like 20 minutes and and i totally agree with that drink a lot of seltzer sometimes you eat a little bit of chocolate <laughs> i know that's not the best thing to do or or just you know get busy doing something you know around the house or you know in my yard or something yeah i think the biggest one there is realizing that this will pass and my craving has a duration or a time span that that's something that i couldn't grasp i just thought wow this craving will be here till eternity the only way to make it go away is to drink but that's not the case it actually goes no, away i find it helps it helps with other things too, even diet. I mean, you know, I'm always trying to be conscious of my weight and health and whatever. Oh. And, you know, it, if there's there's times where you just want to, you know, <laughs> pull in a McDonald's or something like that, but it's just, just it'll, it'll pass. It'll hey, pass. hey, God, I love what you just said because we learn so many profound lessons in recovery that we should be, we should be implementing in other facets of our life. For example, it will pass. So, you know, say it's not a craving, but say it's fear. Say we've got a problem. We've got this anxiety in our gut. It will pass. It will pass. Yeah. Just like a craving. Yep. It will pass within time. Yep. Yeah. Totally. Um, a couple more questions before we hit the rapid sure. fire round. If you could go back and do something different getting sober, what would you do? I don't know. I, 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 I suppose I, you know, those, those first few attempts I had in the fall this past time, I probably would have just tried to, to reach out to somebody, maybe talk to somebody. Um, so it might've stuck then, you know, maybe been a little more open and honest with people and that might've helped. Sure. And, and what's on your bucket list? Uh, you know, I like to do some more traveling, you know, and, and just do a lot of stuff with my kids. And, and it seems like when you get into those patterns of drinking, you know, you, you take care of what needs to be done in your life, you know, and then 
once that's all done for the day, you, you just start going at it and, and drinking and everything else gets pushed to the side. And I'd like to take advantage of the time that I'm not spending drinking, you know, just, you know, being more involved with them and um, having them experience some things. I love it. We, we leverage this new resource we are finding more of, which is time. Yes. I love it. And Jason, we have reached the rapid fire round. If you could answer these questions within 30 to 60 seconds, that would be great. Are you ready? Sure. I'm ready to go. All right. Number one, what was your worst memory from drinking? Probably when I was in the military, I had had a really rough night overseas and totally blacked out. And like I said, just had to walk around in, in a bit of shame for a week or so because was told I had said, you know, some nasty things to people and acted, you know, just not in a good way. Sure. And we've all heard of the aha moment. When was your oh shit moment indicating that you can't control your drinking? I would probably say that it's a cumulative thing where just those many mornings of waking up feeling horrible and, you know, not knowing how much you drank the night before and people reminding you of conversations that you don't remember, you know, just putting all those together is, is kind of just a big oh shit moment. <laughs> a bunch of uh O's compiled. I love it. <laughs> What's your plan in sobriety moving forward, Jason? Just to keep taking it slowly, you know, keep working on my meditation practice, yoga practice, and keep being trying to be uh open and honest with, with people about, you know, where I am right now as far as alcohol goes. There's that word again. We're gonna breathe and go slow. I love it. Yeah. What's your favorite resource in recovery? You know, it, it would have to be your podcast. Uh, I know you want to hear a bunch of other things, but I'm, I, you know, I, I haven't reached out to too much stuff. Uh, I do follow some stuff on Instagram. There's, um, there's a, a, a page Drive Club. The, what, what is it? Drive Club. D R Y B E Club, oh, I believe. Bribe, bribe Club. Okay. Drive. Yeah, she she's a writer uh, out of New York City, and um, she posts a lot of really good stuff. She she writes really well and very clearly and. When I first started trying to get sober, you know, and this past fall, I, I kind of found her online and her blog, and a lot of it's really, it, it seems, it seems to be geared toward toward women and women's health issues and, and anxiety and stuff like that. But whether she realizes it or not, it, it resonates very much with me. And a lot of the stuff she struggled with, you know, I've felt the same way. So it's good stuff. Gotcha. And Mike, who does the show notes, he's out in Hong Kong. He's going to write this resource down. I just want to make sure we both write it down. Is it B as in Bravo, Bribe? No, it's uh, D as in Dog, Dribe. And I think it's uh, Dry Clubs, something like that. <laughs> Wait, give, us, give, us, give us the military spelling of that. D-R-Y-B-E-C-L-U-B. Okay, D-R-Y-B-E. I believe so. Okay, okay. D-R-Y-B-E Club. Okay, cool. Got it. Um, yeah, any other resources you want to, and thanks for listening to the podcast and any other Instagram oh. things. I think I cut you off there. No, that that's, that's about it. Okay. And in regards to sobriety, Jason, what's the best advice you've ever received? You know, she, uh, she puts something on her Instagram page and, and she puts on every once in a while and I see, it and it just makes total sense. And it just says, you do not have to drink. And it's very simple and, and very, very to the point. And I like that. And also I, I, tell people we we texted a couple times before this interview and i told you i was kind of anxious about an upcoming event that i had went to last week and you had sent me a text back that just said having a drink at that event won't make it any better and you know i sat there last saturday thinking of that quite a bit and it was very good advice well good 
We're good. Sometimes what I say resonates. <laughs> Value bomb on your part. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, and what parting piece of guidance can you give the listeners who are in recovery or are thinking about getting sober? I would just say if if that's if it's something that's on your mind and you're thinking about it, then then just do it um, and and give it all you got. Reach out to people, be honest, um, find resources, and especially you know I listen to a lot of the podcasts and I've heard some of the younger people that are in their 20s who are who are you know getting sober or have been sober, and I just think a person in their 20s um, who's who's sober, you know, it's about the most badass thing you can do. When I see those people out who are young and they're not drinking and not following the crowd, I just think it's great. So, you know, just keep going for it. I love what you said. It's one of the most badass things that they can do. And also, Jason, one of the most badass things about you is you don't drink. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) I appreciate that. It's pretty cool. So, Jason, thank you so much for sharing your story. This is I I, I schedule my interviews earlier in the morning to start my day off, and this is the best way I can start my day. Thank you. Great. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And I got one more quote from you before we depart. A guy named Jim, who I interviewed in episode 159, he says, it's a hell of a lot easier to stay sober than to get sober again. Now, since Jim's interview over 20 weeks ago, he has drank. Is Jim the first interviewee to drink after doing an interview? Absolutely not. Will Jim be the first person who drinks after an interview to button it back up and continue forward on sobriety? Absolutely not. It's cool to see this because I've seen Jim in Cafe Ari double down. He's posted more videos. He's commented on more posts. He's giving back. He's doubling down his efforts. It's awesome to see. So Jim, I know you're going to get it. And deep down, you know you're going to get it. Guys, I hope you enjoyed those quotes. I had a really good time putting those together. In fact, email me your favorite recovery quotes. Email me at paul at recoveryelevator.com. I can't wait to see them. Okay, Recovery Elevator, we took the elevator down. We got to take the stairs back up. We can do this.